As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Financial Choices Matter with my friend and yours, Charles Scott. What is going on? How you doing, buddy? Hey, it's great. Uh, you know, stuff sort of seems to be getting back to normal <laughs> everywhere, whatever that's going to mean from here well, on Well, in, in one but, avenue and then something else comes up, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, it's never dull. 2020 the is the year that keeps on giving, not necessarily in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Here, take that. <laughs> right. Uh, we were joking the other day that said the you know the SpaceX folks uh, were able to take off and and that was very cool and, and a kind of a cool positive thing and it's like but when they return they'll probably bring aliens with them. That's how weird yeah, twenty twenty has that's been. That's it. Yes. Yes. I Sigourney <laughs> Weaver is going to have to. Go through all yeah, of that the xenomorph will be with her exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just crazy stuff. So it's been really well. I'm glad you guys are doing okay. Mostly back to open in the area. Guardedly so. Guardedly? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, that's kind of the headline I'm just going to kick off with, you know, talking about uh, COVID, big surprise. Uh, more than 25% of Americans are rating their retirement accounts, uh, says CNBC, uh, due to COVID-19 job loss. Uh, what's your take, bud? That's too bad that they're having to do that. But this, to me, uh, and I've read that the statistic is higher than that, actually, in okay. a couple of places. Right. But you know, having said that, nonetheless, that is your retirement account. After all, that's why it's called a retirement account. This, to me, begs the question: Why don't you have an emergency fund? And did you have one? Yeah. yeah, and yeah, because every reputable financial planner and investment person and accountant and everybody else since the beginning of time has said you need an emergency fund. Yeah, you need three to six months of expenses put away just in case something happens. Well, this was the this was something, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, not to knock people for not having done it, but good grief. Uh, well, well, that was the point, though, right? I mean, that's that's one of those reasons you kind of, the rainy day fund, whatever you want to call it, but that's yeah. one of those principles, pillars, if you will, of the retirement planning process is in case something outlandish or even just, you know, not, not obviously as crazy as a pandemic, but there's things that do happen. I hope yes. that that means that on the other side of this, people will be better prepared with an emergency fund, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just right at 50. So I'm hitting that pre-retirement stage, Charles. So we've got an emergency fund in place, but I'm hoping that other people in our situation will, will wise up from what we've just saw. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. There are people that will make the argument, well, I just can't afford to have one. Okay. So can you not afford it anyway? I mean, right. what's the, tra what's what's the, the trade-off trade there? Know. Yeah. I mean, it's not an easy thing. But, you know, hopefully this is a wake up call that people will really take seriously and just begin to put a little bit away on a consistent basis. It's not rocket science. Just pay a little bit every month. Maybe don't do something, although everybody's got this pent up demand now to want to get out and spend some money. Right, you know, right. Try to get things back to normal as much as possible. Okay, but maybe do something that you really want to do, but there's a less expensive version of it and you'll put a little bit of yeah. money in another account and hang on, you know, just well, put it away. You know, the crazy argument too, and, I've, and I was guilty of that for a long time of saying, I, I just can't find 
and I, I'm still guilty of it. I just can't find a way to, to, to squeeze a little extra to put over here in savings or whatever. So, I mean, we all do it, but you can't, it's a lot easier than we think. We just have to truly force ourselves to do it. It's, yeah. it's kind of taking the time to do the old dreaded B word and break out a possible budget. And once yeah. you do, you, you really would be surprised. And in a situation like this, when you're talking about your retirement accounts, incredibly, incredibly important to try to, you know, protect yourself against, you know, some of these types of, uh, Black Swan events. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, totally. talking about, account- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, my friend. No, no, no. I was just saying, couldn't agree with you more. You, talking about some of these retirement accounts, that's our main topic this week. So let's just transition over to that. And that is the traditional IRA versus the Roth. And since that kind of led us into this conversation, there's still folks that don't have a good, clear picture about some of these, uh, the differences between these two. So first off, just tell us the basic difference between the two accounts. The Roth is after tax money goes in, gross tax deferred, Mm -hmm. comes out tax free. Okay. So you've already paid tax on it, but you never pay tax on it again. The traditional IRA is pre-tax. You get a deduction for it. The money grows tax deferred again, but when it comes out, you are paying tax on it. It's ordinary income. Okay. Right. That's the simplest Simplest explanation that I can come up to, but it's gigantic. They're gigantically different from a future tax cost point of view. Okay. So why do you think, Charles, that so many of us are traditionally in the traditional uh, IRA versus the Roth? Now, one could make the argument that the Roth's only been around since the 90s or whatever, but uh, just kind of the norm that we've always fed the traditional. That's because that's the people, that's just what most people are most familiar with. And I think the, the idea of, wow, I get a tax deduction. That's cool. Uh, and, it's not uh, that big a deal. Under the I old mean, tax really rules, not. right? Under the you old could, tax rules, maybe, but now is it yeah, anything? Yeah, but not so not so much now. I mean, it really isn't that big a deal anymore. And when you do the math okay. of how much you are paying in taxes today, thinking you're getting away with something, but that dollar that if you had put it in now and then got never got taxed on it again, could be worth twenty or thirty times more. You don't have to pay tax on that difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's simple math, to be perfectly honest. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes, no. sometimes we overcomplicate things as humans in general. Uh, when we break them down to their their smallest or or, or simplest form, it's it's just that it's just simple. Um, yeah. So you kind of touched on obviously, you know, a huge piece of the Roth component is the tax free uh, down the way. Is that with the environment that we're in from a tax standpoint? Is that one reason why people are waking up to it more, talking more conversions, things of those natures? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, the other thing that's happening with this whole COVID-19 deal mm-hmm. is that the, you know, the government is just throwing money at everything. That's helping a lot of people. I get that. But it's also going to raise taxes in the future. There's just no way that it's not. And so you're going to end up being in higher tax brackets and more tax, more tax and more tax in the future to make up the difference. So all our practice to a great degree is focused on tax awareness. You've got a choice. You could do this or that. What's the tax impact going to be? And is that a priority or not a priority for you? Because I don't know what's important to you until I ask. I right. know what's important to me, right, right. but I, you know, I'm not like everybody else. But that's the essence of it. That's tax, the, right. tax, I don't want to let the tax tail wag the dog. And that's something I've always said. But at the same time, you have to just be aware of what's the implication if you do take choice A or choice B right. and, and, and you know, choice traditional or choice Roth. To me, Roth just makes more sense. Makes and convert, right. Yeah. And using using the taxes that exist today to take advantage of, you know, maybe it's a Roth conversion or certainly, you know, I mean, for younger people, 
in my opinion, if they they can always put money in a Roth 401k, there are some limitations in a Roth from an earnings point of view. Okay. But that's, you know, you got to be making a lot of money before you can't contribute to a Roth. But both of our daughters are gainfully employed. They have 401ks at work and they have the Roth option in their 401k. And this is different from an IRA, obviously, but they have put money in the Roth. They don't need a tax deduction now. I mean, they make very decent incomes, but they don't need a tax deduction. It doesn't make any difference to them, but they'll never pay tax on those dollars again. Okay. Well, so, you know, and actually you answered my next question. I was going to ask you, could you give me an example of somebody who should be contributing to a Roth? So it sounds as though the next generation are kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's if they're not, and if they don't have a Roth option in their 401k at work, you could still put it in a IRA. It's fine. Just do it. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Uh, example on the opposite side, someone who should contribute it to a traditional versus a Roth. Is, is there, I, I guess I was going to ask you, to, I was going to ask you this way. Is there a, you know, is there kind of a set person who falls into a demographic or like anything when it comes to finances? Is it really a one, you know, per person situation? It's a per person situation. Okay. One size does not fit all. Okay. It just, it just doesn't. Honestly, I can't come up with a great reason to put it into a traditional if you have the option of a Roth, well, that's to fair. be honest. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people now that are putting money into a traditional IRA because there is no income limit to being able to contribute to a traditional IRA. And I mentioned a minute ago that Roth has a, an income limit. If you make more than, I can't remember exactly what the number is, but it's quite a bit, then you you can't contribute to a Roth anymore, but you can put money into a, put non-deductible dollars into a traditional IRA and then convert them to a Roth. So, I mean, that's, gets, that's a bit esoteric, but it's absolutely doable because then you skirt the issue of not being, making too much money and not being able to contribute to a, a Roth. So you contribute to an, a regular traditional IRA, but don't take the tax deduction and then convert it to a Roth. Gotcha. Perfectly legal. Okay. Just most people really don't know about that one. If you didn't think they knew much about, for sure, about how the whole Roth IRA works, then they're this is getting a little more publicity, but I, it's just a great strategy. Right. So. Well, and obviously some things with the normal IRAs were altered slightly with uh, COVID, you know, with CARES Act and things like that. Oh, so yeah. with anything, you always want to make sure you're talking with your advisor anyway about uh, options that are available to you and things that you can or cannot do at this time period. And of course, if you need help, Charles is always here. You can reach out to him at PelotonCapital.com. That is PelotonCapital.com. And uh, while you're there, submit an email question to the show. And actually, we're going to go ahead and transition into the next portion of our podcast. We'll take an email question here real quick. Let's see. Uh, Marshall in Phoenix had a quick question for you, Charles. He says, I have a variable annuity and I just found out that the fees are very high. I'd like to move the money somewhere else, but I, I'd have to pay that penalty to take it out. Is it worth the penalty to get away from the high fees? Marshall, you're absolutely right. In, some, in most variable annuities and the ones that we've looked at over the years, the fees are relatively high. And you know, your question is, there's a penalty to get out and is it worth it? And I think it ends up being just doing some math. I mean, what's the cost to stay in? Cause you're going to pay those fees every year and what's the cost to get out. And if you, let's just say you had a two and a half percent internal fee when you add up all the different fees that are in there and you've still got four more years of, before the surrender charge goes away. Well, two and a half times four years is 10%. It's going to cost you to do it. Or maybe there's just a 4% surrender charge today. So I got 10% over the next four years accumulative, or I just eat the 4% today and get out. I don't have those 2.5% fees every year. There's a break-even point at which it does make sense to do it. Just in this, the example I just gave, it probably makes sense to just say, I'm going to take the 
I'm going to take the surrender charge and then I don't have to worry about the fees. If gotcha. there are going to be fees where you're going, then you need to factor those into it. And, and that might change the, you know, change the math a little bit, but that's the basic premise. I mean, it doesn't have to be honestly any more complicated than that, but it's always interesting that people, when they really realize what's inside a variable annuity, the costs that are really there, yeah. it's like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Gotcha. You got a prospectus. Yeah. So they get, <laughs> but well, who I reads mean, that, Charles? No one reads that. Come on. Yeah. Well, okay. That's, it's just the law. I'm just right. going by, I'm going by what securities laws say you have to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, no, it's not a fun read. A lot of times people don't read it. So that's definitely why you want to have those conversations with your advisors. So, and Marshall, you know, kudos, thank you for sending us the email question. We certainly appreciate it. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Uh, if you still got some more questions or you're unclear and you want to talk specifically for your situation, reach out to Charles at 480-513-1830. 480-513-1830 or anybody else listening to the podcast that would like to have a conversation about their own situation. All right, before we wrap up this podcast this week, what's bugging Charles? What's going on, bud? I know there's stuff that's uh, soapbox time. What you got? There's a couple things. One of them that's uh, been on my mind for a bit of time is, and it got buried in this whole coronavirus COVID-19 event that's you know started and in, in, in this, this has to do with it. But I saw the news story and you kind of have to go looking for it to find it again. And that is four senators disclosed some financial information that they sold their stock before the coronavirus crashed the market. And basically, they were in a classified briefing on January 24th in Congress. And son of a gun, if they didn't start selling right, you know, pretty much a few days later, this is not public information. This is you know, we would call this insider information. And they started selling and they, you know, they saved probably several hundred, they sold several hundred thousand dollars of stocks to sort of not take that downward trend because the market peaked February 19th in the middle of the day. I'm talking about the S&P 500, which to me is what the really market is. So these guys, the, all these, these four senators got out. And, you know, I don't know if they sold absolutely everything because, the, you know, but they did and they certainly didn't suffer the losses from having done that. And so the whole insider trading thing, Mark, you and I can't do that. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, it's always been illegal, but this is the fascinating stuff. Yeah. Guess when there's a stock act that was enacted by Congress that also made it illegal for people in Congress and members of the committees and all of that to trade on insider information. Guess when that went into effect. Uh, I would, I have no idea, but I'll say the eighties. Okay. That's okay. That makes sense. 2012. Okay. Wow. So really? Been, yes. So, so it's only been the, around, wow. it's, mm. it's only been around for eight years because they are special. Uh, they <laughs> <Yeah>. just make <laughs> laws for everybody else and exempt themselves from it. And right. I'll be honest that kind of, it bugs me. That's oh, why sure, it's on yeah. the, what's, what's bugging, bugging Charles. Charles yeah. You know, so. I really would. I really would have put it at the '80s, though, with all the, you know, with the the whole yuppie movement and and just how the stock yeah. market took off in the '80s. I would have thought that something would have been put in place. But wow, uh, twenty twelve, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's right now. All that's bugging me, I'm sure I'll find something else. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for our podcast this week. So again, if you've got some questions about the differences in the in the types of IRAs or which one is the correct uh, one for you or what you should be doing along those lines, uh, always before you take any action, check with a qualified professional like Charles Scott. 
a fiduciary advisor at Peloton Capital Management. You can reach out to him at 480-513-1830. You can also go to his website, pelotoncapital.com, P-E-L-L-E-T-O-N, capital.com. While you're there, do us a favor, hit subscribe on the podcast. Click on the podcast page. Uh, you'll, it'll take you to that, and you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you choose. And, of course, if, uh, if you enjoy the show, share it with someone else who might also benefit from the message. And Charles, my friend, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you as always. I hope you have a good, uh, safe and sane week and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Appreciate you folks. We'll see you next time here on Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Financial planning and investment advisory services are provided by Peloton Capital Management Limited, a state-registered investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No one should assume the information presented here serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized individual advice provided by Peloton Capital Management. For more information, visit www.pelotoncapital.com.